You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Okay, my degenerate friends, let's talk about the wonderful dark art of Gambling. Yes, dancing with the point spread. Going two fists in all the way up to your elbows. Wearing farm animal gloves. All right, that was weird. My point is, every game you watch is a little bit more spicy with something on it, you know? That's why you should get dialed in today at mybookie.ag. I've got an account, and you know what? I throw 10, 15, 20 bucks on stuff all the time. That's it. You can even bet less. MyBookie.ag is perfectly legal, and having worked with them for over two years, they are a rare exception of credibility in a sea of fly-by-nighters. And the handful of times anybody has had a problem, they take care of it right away. Why? Because I send one email, and they go, oh, we, we don't want to get this. We'll take care of this. Relax, everybody. You got me backing you up. NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, PGA Tour, NHL, Premier League, everything but Bush Kazi from Afghanistan, you can bet on it. Right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to 1000 additional dollars to put in play. Terms and restrictions do apply to bonus dollar matches. Read the website for details. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to get that additional matching money. Get some sweet action in 2020. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the Zabecast, Happy New Year! The t-shirts have been printed. Burgundy Ron is signed, sealed, and Thursday he will be delivered. I'll give you my day one take right here. More NFL offseason rumblings. What's Jared doing with the clapper in Dallas? And have you ever seen computer folks? All that plus the most absurd PC moments of 2019. Your bonus 30 minutes of me on the first of the year is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Yes, indeed. Wednesday, January 1, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Happy New Year. Welcome to the new decade. Unless you're one of these decade truthers who say the the decade won't start until uh, January 1 of next year, 2021. The decade's still going on. Whatever. It's a new decade for most of us. What What am I doing with a podcast on New Year's Day? Well, I literally have nothing else better to do. I mean, I've got football to watch, and we'll talk about that. Uh, at some point here in our quick visit on New Year's Day. But I am here to hail the new Ron Burgundy, Ron Rivera, the 10th head coach of the Washington Redskins in the Dan 
Snyder era. You say, all hail Ron Rivera. You also say, oh, poor, poor Ron. What have you gotten yourself into? Abandon all hope, ye who enter here, Redskin Park. It is and has been the reverse car wash. You go in with your reputation clean. You come out with it dirty. This has been the ruiner of careers, this building and this organization, with a couple of exceptions. Uh, Marty and Norv were the two that kind of slipped out and did okay. Marty got a job with the Chargers after he was one and done here in Washington. And Norv has been bouncing around the league. In fact, some say, wait, 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 Norv worked with Ron Rivera down in in, uh, Carolina. Could Norv be coming back? (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Spurrier went back to college. But otherwise, Vinny Serrato, out of the NFL, doing radio in Baltimore. Jim Zorn, out of the NFL, doing who knows what. Shanahan, bitterly out of the NFL, watching his kid do it in uh, San Francisco. Joe Gibbs is out, watching left turns down there in Charlotte. He probably had a big factor in telling Ron Rivera uh, because you know he was probably neighbors with him on Lake Norman down there. Saying, you know, Dan's not a bad guy. You can win there. I won there. Uh, Technically, no. More on that in a second. Uh, McLuhan, out of football. Desperately trying to get back in. His reputation obviously took a hit. Maybe it was deservedly so. Uh, Callahan, we'll see if he's out of the NFL after this or if he's somewhere else or who knows. This is the 10th coach, 10th head coach. And yes, I do count interim coaches. Because to me, interim coaches mean... You had such a bad situation during the season that you either panicked and like, oh, let's fire him and maybe that'll change things. Or it was so bad you couldn't stomach keeping the coach there. That's a reflection on you as an owner. So this is the 10th head coach in the Dan Snyder era. Norv Turner, Terry Robisky, interim. Marty, one and done. Spurrier for two, terrible. Gibbs for four, mixed. uh, Zorn for two, Terrible. Shanahan for four, mostly bad, one good. Jay Gruden for five, and most of them mediocre, one decent playoff appearance, that's it. And then Bill Callahan as interim this year. That's not a great resume right there of coaches. In fact, 10 coaches, none of them had a winning record. The guy who got closest was Marty at eight and eight. Gibbs was under 500. Shut up, GoPro. Oh, got a new camera for Christmas. Actually, no. I got, well, I did, but not for Christmas. It's a, the, the uh, Osmo Action. DJI, DJI Osmo Action. It's their version of the GoPro. The big difference is it's got a screen on the front so you can see the framing, which is very crucial when setting up shops, shots, shops, setting up shots. And it is a much more sensible interface than uh, GoPro. Some would say the GoPro is still better. I'm running experiments as we speak, but I I like it so far. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled programming. So the closest to a winning record was Marty at 8-8. Gibbs himself, St. Joe, 30-34, and with uh, how many playoff appearances listed here? Three. Is that possible? Games, CG, playoffs. Oh, yeah, three playoff games for Gibbs. 
but uh, two playoff appearances. He did win a game. So, yeah. Um, been a terrible record. And we'll see how long Ron Rivera can last. I mean, I like the hire. People are saying, get to the point. Do you like it? Yeah, it's a solid hire. Although, let's not forget, this is sort of ironic. <laughs> we hired the guy who got fired because he lost to our scraggly, embarrassing team who had an interim coach at the time and with a quarterback, a rookie, who was making just his second official start. <laughs> so we got that guy. It took my wife going, well, it, it, she, she's like, is he good? And I go, yeah, no, Ron Rivera's good. She's like, well, why did he get fired? I go, oh, yeah, well, he, <clears throat> he lost us. <laughs> he is no panacea, but he is a serious dude. He is old school. He is a no-nonsense guy. Of course, they said that about Shanahan, and it didn't take long for Shanahan to go, okay, Jesus, the owner really wants to trade for McNabb. All right, uh, do I have anybody better? No. So, okay, let's go ahead and trade for McNabb. Yeah, that was a Danny thing. It turned out disastrously. When it came to RG3, who said, let's push all our chips in and go get him? It was Danny. And Shanahan went along with it. Because Shanahan knew, I can only buck the owner so much. Marty bucked the owner hard. He literally sent Dan to the corner and said, sit over there and shut the fuck up. I'm running the team. And that lasted one year. In fact, Fred Drasner, who at the time was one of you know Snyder's inner circle guys, told Andy Poland off air while doing uh, an appearance at the Redskins store at Tyson's Corner, which, by the way, still exists. And it is so empty. It is so embarrassing. I took pictures. Where's my phone? I took pictures of the jerseys that you can get. I went during the Christmas rush. The mall was slammed Tyson's Corner Mall, the mall of my youth, my youths, my youth. I would go there for hours at a time when I was 14, 15 years old, couldn't drive. I'd have my parents drop me off there. My dad would always have great reservations saying, are we really sure we should be dropping off Stephen and Donnie Regal and uh, Chip Gladson over there to roam the mall? And yeah, yeah, we did. (laughs) There wasn't a whole lot there at the time. There was a movie theater. There was Spencer Gifts. There was... Uh, a Farrell's ice cream shop. I, I forget Tower Tower Records or oh it wasn't Tower Records. A different record store we'd go to. Anyway, I digress. So it was at the Redskin store. Yeah, okay. The Redskin store at Tyson's Corner still is open. My mom walked by it and she's like, Why is that still open? I go, I think it's just Danny does not want to concede that. Nobody wants to buy any Redskin shit. I took pictures of the jerseys. When I went in there, it was so dead empty. Every nook and cranny, every shop in the damn mall, even the stupid shops that you're like, who would want to go in one of these places, had people in it, but not the Redskin store. The Redskin store had, of course, prominently displayed the jerseys of, ready, Alex Smith, injured, likely to never play again, although he says he wants to, John Riggins, Hasn't played in 30 years. And Sean Taylor. Yeah. That, I still, I just don't know how to feel about buying Sean Taylor jerseys. I I know many people say, you know what, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, he was a a beloved Redskin, great player who was murdered tragically 
uh, way too uh, early. Well, still he's too early to be murdered, but you know my point. And uh, I don't know. It just it bothers me that one of our best-selling jerseys is of a guy who's no longer with us. In fact, I'm looking at the wall here. There are one, two, three different racks of Sean Taylor jerseys. There's one rack on the wall of Jordan Reed, injured, likely to never play again, lots of concussions. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, who is kind of our one durable, constant, quote, star, although some are saying it's time to get out of the Kerrigan business. And then Dwayne Haskins. But the Dwayne Haskins jersey, and it's Haskins Jr., this is one of the great mistakes, the uh, one of the many great mistakes the NFL allowed in the last couple of years was letting players put jer- junior, senior on their jersey officially if they want to. So stupid. Because Haskins Jr. is on one of the jerseys, but as I'm looking at this picture here, and I should probably post it, you're saying, you're doing it again, Zabe. I can't see this. Okay, I'm painting a picture. The Haskins jersey is an alternate gray that has never been worn on the field. Ugh. All right. Okay, Boomer. You don't like alternates. You don't like off-color. Get it. Uh, The other jerseys on deep discount included a number 11 Pryor Senior. That's right. Terrell Pryor, one year at wide receiver at $8 million off of one Decent season with the Browns. <laughs> He's got jerseys printed up with the number 11 on them, and it says Prior Senior. You can't sell these cheap enough. You should just give them away. There's also a Swearinger Senior jersey. Yes, DJ Swearinger, who was here for all of a hot minute and then talked his way out of town. And there's a Jamison Crowder 80, which is actually kind of cool. Wouldn't, wouldn't be terrible. Okay, so back to my point about Uh, the Redskins, and ownership. So it was at the Redskins store, which does not have the radio studio in it. It used to have a radio studio. Andy and I used to do shows there like once a week. And it was not a bad radio studio either. It was pretty nice. Little glass-enclosed fishbowl in that studio. And, of course, I was off that day. Uh, I think Larry Weissman, who was uh, at the time working for the Redskins in their internal media department. He had taken a buyout from uh, the USA Today and had gone to work for the Redskins. That did not last and ended badly. And I feel bad for Larry about that because he's a great dude. Uh, He had brought along, I guess, Fred Drasner. Or Drasner came to see him and Drasner said to Andy, off the air, when asked about why'd you fire Marty after one year, not only did he finish eight and eight best record of any coach, but he was eight and eight with a bullet because they started oh and five. All right. Fred Drasner said to Andy, and I quote, We weren't having any fun. We. You know who that is? Fred and Danny and the other people in the inner circle. And that was it. So if that Dan Snyder is now back in control, we're screwed. We're still as screwed as ever. If a more learned, more reserved, more hands-off Dan Snyder is now the guy, then we have a chance. We have a shot. We have a shot with Ron Burgundy, Ron Rivera, because he's a credible coach. And he was about the best name guy we would have gotten. Because if you played footsie with this, if you said, well, let's see, we'll interview you and we'll interview somebody else. And it helps that Rivera 
ticks the box for the Rooney rule, so you don't have to go through that, uh, that they could make this hire quickly and start moving to assemble a staff. Had they gone the cutesy route, the Redskins, and said, we'll interview a bunch of people, they could have been left out like a game of uh, musical chairs, and 33 days later we get some Zach Taylor equivalent where you're like, okay, who's this dude? Rivera has status. He has the ability to say fuck you and go sit in the corner. And here's how we're doing things. The thing that troubles me is that they are not naming a new GM if they have a new GM until after the draft. And Eric Schaefer, who's like the top personnel guy, and I think his title is uh, VP of Football Ops and head contract writer or uh, head counsel, something like that. He was reportedly out by our own Doc Walker. But then it's like, nope, he's in. And then somebody said, no, he's really going to be out, but not until May, until after the draft. This is not the most unusual thing where teams have gotten rid of GMs after the draft. So I've had some people say, no, the Bills did this. No, the Jaguars did this. No, so-and-so did this. But I don't really like it. I I would like to have brought in a new GM who hires the coach, but that's not how it has gone down. So we shall see. The new era begins. Good luck. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Ron Rivera, buckle up, because no matter what you were told, what you were promised, it could all change in a heartbeat. And ultimately, let's not kid ourselves. This is this is a Dan and Dwayne show. Period. That's it. It's a Dan and Dwayne show. If Dan is right about Dwayne Haskins, then we have a shot. If Dan is wrong about Dwayne Haskins, then we're toast. Because Dan and Dwayne are tied at the hip. If this is RG32, Electric Boogaloo, We will have learned nothing, and we will have seen five minutes of a three-hour movie look good. Like, he's looked pretty good these last two games, right? He's going along, right? And then it'll turn to shit if he doesn't keep getting better. Uh, By the way, people say, well, Dwayne should have started from week one. We wasted much of a year of him developing and progressing. I'm sorry, but Dwayne was not ready to start period. That was conveyed to me and confirmed to me by multiple different people and sources. And I think it showed in the early games that he played. It took Adrian Peterson after the Minnesota game to get in his face and light him up saying, son, you better stick your nose in that playbook and learn it. That report was never denied. AP just said, hey, you know, essentially don't, don't, speculate on things you don't know. He didn't say it didn't happen. He just said sort of, you know, you don't know exactly what happened. But that's definitely happened. People confirmed that to me as well. Dwayne needed that kick in the ass. He was not ready. You could have played him early from week one, and oh, it would have been a shit show. Don't blame Gruden for that. The kid was not ready. He was not putting the requisite effort into it. He does have an entitled streak to him whether you want to believe it or not. Now, maybe that streak is going away, fading quickly. We'll see. Quarterback, I mean, it is a 24-7, 365 job. So if Dwayne is good, we got a shot. And uh, we'll see in the coming years. If Dwayne struggles, how much does Dan get in there and say, well, hold on a second. Because we've seen this movie before. If this is the sequel, 
We know exactly what happens when Dan has an affinity for a quarterback like he did for RG3. He sticks his fingers in there and he starts redirecting people. No, he can't say this. No, he can't say that. I mean, poor, uh, you know, poor Jay Gruden had to, uh, you know, pretty much record a hostage video at the combine going, yes, uh, Robert is my starter. Eh, Ridiculous, but there it is. So the 3-4 defense is gone, so said Chris Cooley in his podcast. Bruce is gone. I'm happy for that, although I know that Bruce talked Dan out of many stupid, impulsive ideas. And now that he is gone, we'll see if those impulsive moves come back. But I'm glad Bruce is gone. It was a necessary step. And we have some serious people coming in. Not drinking buddies, not toadies, not grifters, not legacy guys. Oh, my dad coached this team. Uh, My only problem is, as of eight months ago, all these same grifters, drinking buddies, and legacy guys were fine. Dan was fine with all of them. And so how serious will the organization be and for how much long and how much longer uh, can they tolerate the new regime if things do not go well? Also, things could get interesting. Let's say the Redskins finish 3-13 and 13 again next year. What? That's impossible. It is not impossible. I don't think they will. I think there's a lot of positive trends that will show themselves with this team, but, oh, it's possible. So if they go 3-13 and 13 again, and let's say there's not uh, the type of year where one or two wins is the bottom mark for uh, you know drafting, and the Redskins have a, tra- a chance to draft uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, and let's say uh, Haskins has a regression year, but let's say that Dan still believes in Haskins. Then what? Yeah, we'll deal with that when we get to it, right? Just saying. All hail Ron Burgundy, new head coach of the Washington Redskins. Today's episode brought to you by MyBookie.ag, the official online gambling hangout of this, the ZabeCast. More lines on more games than you can imagine, more ways to play, fast payouts, outstanding customer service. MyBookie.ag has an easy interface. You can track your winnings and your bad beats. NFL playoffs are now here. Time to crush it. College hoops, now more upset heavy than ever. So let's clean up on some shockers in the winter. NBA looks like Lakers, Bucks in June, but hey, we can still make money on any given Tuesday throwing some heat at Grizzlies and Pelicans. (laughs) Sweet action. Promo code right now for 2020 is ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Get half your deposit matched up to $1,000. Terms and restrictions apply and bonus money. See website for details. You don't have to be some whale like Mr. X and throw around $1,000 a night. You can be a little dink and dunker like me and nobody's gonna know or laugh at you. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Couple other NFL things. Dave Gettleman is still in with the Giants. He does sit at the podium, he does answer questions, and he gets roasted in the New York media because uh, press conferences are not his thing. Uh, not his thing, and he does come off as a uh, as a doofus old man who just doesn't get the ways of the new Jedi. He talked about computer folks. You know, we've got this analytics department. We're doing a lot of stuff in the background. We got these computer folks, which made him sound very old and dated. 
I got news for people. It doesn't matter if Gettleman calls them computer folks or nerds with pocket protectors. He has mocked analytics in the past, but the Giants have started down that road. The Redskins need to do that as well. Now, how much can you put into analytics in football versus baseball? I'm not so sure because football is a willpower sport. It is a desire sport. It is not so much a uh, sport like baseball where you can go, I can tell this guy is going to be useful because of this stat or that stat. Football is a sport where you say, God damn it, my foot is killing me, but I love this game so much I'm going to play anyway and I'm going to block out the pain mentally and I'm going to kick ass. It's overcoming doubt when you are suddenly not the best player on the field. That's what football is. Can analytics fully account for that? I don't know. It wouldn't hurt to have it, though, that's for sure, especially on game strategy and timeouts and all that other stuff. But Gettleman comes off as a doofus calling his uh, nerds computer folks. John Dorsey is out in Cleveland just one year after completing the most amazing offseason masterful moves. Look at how loaded the Browns are. Year after year of trading down to amass more picks. They got all this stockpile of picks. They got all this talent on paper. They trade for guys. uh, Did they sign Jarvis Landry or a trade for him? I think they signed him as a free agent. They traded for Odell Beckham Jr. Look at the wide receivers. They're layering in Kareem Hunt. They've got Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield is on his way. So what if we did give the head coaching job to a guy who looks like he should be replacing water heaters? I'm Freddie Kitchens. I'm here Replace your water here. Mm-hmm. Okay, just tell me. I got a hand truck. I'll bring it down the back. So what if they did that? This was the year they were going to kick ass. Bom, 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 bom. Six wins. Welcome to the same old Browns. And boy, was John Dorsey a cocky son of a bitch when they drafted Mayfield. He was a gum-chomping, cocky SOB. I love it when those guys end up getting thrown out. I'm not saying he doesn't know football, but man, the, the cockiness on him was off the charts. What the Browns need is somebody to tell Baker Mayfield to grow the fuck up now and to tell him we're not going to be having our quarterback yelling shit at fans like, come down that, come down here and say that to my face. We don't need that. We're not going to have it, period. They need to tell Beckham to shut the fuck up and play football. Um, But do they have a guy that can do that? We'll see. We'll see who they hire in Cleveland. Matt Patricia has fired six assistants or he's going to get rid of, I think, six assistants. Somebody pointed out, Doesn't that sort of mean that maybe Patricia, who hired the assistants, ought to be the one to get fired? In a certain sense, I I understand that. I'm with that. In another sense, I'm like, well, did it ever occur to owners that maybe the assistants who just presided over a bad year have the invaluable experience of now knowing what does not work and they can correct for it? A new set of assistants will come in. They'll have their own ideas, which may or may not work. If the assistant coaches you have are good football people who didn't do anything dumb or crazy that you can identify like, well, why are you playing this guy here? Let's say they were honestly trying and they honestly failed because of a variety of reasons. Don't you think it might be counterproductive to fire all them because they're building up knowledge of this didn't work, that didn't work. Oh, hold on. Let's do this. That could work in year three. I'd like to think as an owner, I would hire a GM and a coach And I'd do it the traditional way. I'd say, GM, hire the coach. Coach, hire the assistants. And I'd say, here's three seasons. Show me something in three seasons. And I would sit on my hands for three seasons. Even if it was three agonizing seasons. 
three and 13, four and 12, five and 11. I'd like to think I could sit tight for three years. I'm not sure I could. Jerry Jones is playing around with Jason Garrett, sort of like a cat that has killed a mouse and is just, just pawing it left and right. Huh. Jerry Jones met with Jason Garrett for two hours on Monday, met with Jerry Jones or Jason Garrett again for two more hours on Tuesday. Nothing's been decided. Somebody had a tweet saying, if the Cowboys are America's team, then this is America in a nutshell when it comes to corporate America. Having two-hour meetings that decide nothing and then doing it all over again the very next day. Somebody else said, I think Jerry just loves the idea of toying with Jason Garrett. And so therefore, once he fires Jason Garrett, he can't think about firing Jason Garrett anymore. It's like someone once said to me, don't build a pool, Zabe, in your backyard. And I go, why not? He goes, because you can't always not be building a pool. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. You have to think about it. You can't always not be building a pool. Think about it. Let the Zen wash over you and then you'll get it. Sometimes the feeling of, I just want to pursue this idea. I want to play with this idea in my head. I'm comfortable. I don't want this idea to end. The idea of Jerry Jones giving these sort of mixed messages about the future of Jason Garrett has so filled him with joy the last several years. I don't think Jerry Jones can get over it unless people are saying, They know he's going to go to the Giants. They think he could do a good job with the Giants without Jerry looking over his shoulder at every turn. And they want to mess with the Giants' search as much as possible by waiting these two weeks to have Jason Garrett's contract expire. We'll see if anything happens today. All right, let's talk college football. Uh, Do you want to know who I have today? MyBookie.ag. Excuse my voice. It's a good night last night. I stayed at home. I drank whiskey from my Whiskey League winnings. And I watched the ball drop with my wife and older daughter who loves being home for the uh, New Year's celebration. We threw confetti in the air. It's still on the ground in my uh, basement theater. And i got to go clean it up later today after I'm done with this podcast. So here's who I got uh, today. I got, I'm going SEC. Alabama minus 7.5 over Michigan for 10 bucks. Auburn minus 7 over Minnesota, again for 10 I got the Badgers, minus three. Uh, I got to be a homer there in the uh, granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. And then I've got Georgia, minus five, another SEC pick over Baylor uh, at night. Four good games, uh, good heavyweight teams all across the board. A lot of SEC representation, that's good. I still like it when New Year's Day had all Z-Bowls. The whole Magilla, just a soup-to-nuts, start-to-finish orgasm of football. It was probably too much on one day, but I still kind of liked it that way. So there you go. If you think I don't little dink and dunk on these things, I do. And that's why mybookie.ag is a good place to go do that. Email zabe at yahoo.com. Paul Olin emailed me with a nice, thoughtful email with a challenge to me on my perspectives on the college athletics model. And He's of the mindset these kids should get paid. And I said, well, show me your white paper. How would it be done? And his first response to me was, well, until they get rid of Title IX, it'll be impossible because, you know, Susie who plays soccer, Susie soccer is going to have to get paid exactly the same as Tua Tonga Vailoa. And that's, we all know that's going to completely break the system. I laughed and I replied back. I go, well, why don't you call me then when Title IX is repealed? 
because that will be the fifth of never. He then went on to do the math on, let's say you pay the players a hundred grand each, and then he tallies it up for each program and talks about the insane buyout that Florida State had to scrape up to get rid of Willie Taggart. And I agree, there's a lot of wasted money in the system, but it's not going to happen for a couple reasons. One, Title IX will always be a problem. Number two, this is the greatest deal going. I keep saying this, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Free college, which has a value of $120,000. Elite coaching and training. Built-in television exposure, hype, and publicity. And the ability to hone your craft as a football or basketball player before turning pro. And to turn your name recognition by having Dick Vitale blow you on ESPN every time he gets the chance is worth money. It's not actual cash, but it's worth money. Well, yeah, but they they should still get actual money on top of that. Why? There's a line of kids around the block who want to be part of this, who want the free college $120,000 value, the elite coaching and training, the built-in TV exposure and publicity, the ability to hone their craft. Why do you need to give money? There's no shortage of people willing to take the deal. Now, Paul Olin, my email friend, said, well, I'll take your example, Zabe. Do you, you know, just because a lot of people would love that deal is a bad argument. Because what if your job, whatever you make, say it was hundred grand a year, let's say they brought in a tryout at your station for fifty grand a year, how many people would love to take that job? There'd be a line around the block. Okay, fine. But I'm a professional. Don't snicker. There's a difference. And it wouldn't be a job for two years or three years, and then you're automatically out which is what college is, it would presumably be uh, a job that lasts longer than that. And in my case, 21 years now and running in afternoon drive in Washington, D.C., market number seven, not too shabby. There has to be some ability there. The station could do that tomorrow. They could go get a half-priced host from a pool of not just guys off the street. They could do it uh with somebody who is actually half decent, but they choose not to because they understand the value I bring to the station. They understand the money that I make for the station. That's what being a professional is. It's like, I'm Nick Saban. I'm not one of the players. The players are like interns. The product is not the players in college. The product is the stadiums, the game day, uh, wearing your colors, meeting with friends, tailgating. It's the hatred of state or you, and it's the players who are just the interns. The players wash through like a river, and they're here and they're gone. They are necessary but not important. That is hard for a lot of people to understand because they go, yeah, but people loved Johnny Manziel. They loved Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And I'm like, yeah, and they're going to love somebody new in about five minutes. Plus, the model in college is not so much a model of an oligarchy in which the few get super, super rich on all of this economic activity. Yes, the coaches make a lot. Yes, the administrators are keep getting more raises. Yes, the lazy rivers, weight rooms, and, and you know, locker rooms are getting bigger and bigger. But the whole model for big-time D1 football and basketball is a subsidy model for every other money-losing sport, including women's basketball, which hemorrhages money at all but a handful of schools that have rabid followings like Tennessee and Connecticut and a couple others. Money loser. 
It's socialism. It's not an oligarchy. It's socialism. The football and the basketball, they make a lot of money. The coaches get paid a lot because the good ones are worth it, and then some. The locker rooms get all fluffed up because that's a big recruiting tool, and the rest of the money gets then distributed to keep all the other programs solvent. So aside from the Title IX problem, you have a subsidy problem where if you started to pay the players and have a payroll of $60 million a year, whatever the number would be, then you're going to have a real problem getting the water polo team uh, new goggles. Just saying. And some would say, fine, I, I don't care. I don't watch water polo. Okay, but there will be a lot of people that scream bloody murder. And yes, while the coaches are making a ton of money, again, they're professionals. The kids in college were like, that's not fair. Nick Saban makes $8 million a year. Well, maybe you should then get on the coaching track. Get out of school, having played college football, and become a pro, become a professional football coach, and work your way up the ladder. And go see what Dabo Swinney was making about 10, 15 years ago, and see if you can live on that before you end up making $8 million a year. I say Nick Saban is actually worth closer to $50 million a year, but he's only paid $8 million. I think his true value is close to that much money, $50 million a year, because he's that much of a winner. Also, a decent number of D1 schools, if you started to pay the players, would quickly opt out, and they would say, A, we can't afford this, B, this is not what we're about. And you might say, well, so what? Goodbye, Stanford. Goodbye, Vanderbilt. See you later. Uh, But then you would start tearing apart the fabric of, hey, well, this used to be our conference, and while Vanderbilt was an easy lay, we could beat their ass on any given Saturday. Uh, We kind of liked having them because every school has to have a few soft spots along the way. You don't want all hard games, right? So that's my take. But thank you, Paul Allen, for the uh, email. And I I will gladly debate anybody on this podcast that wants to get in the cage with me on this because I know my logic is airtight. I know that I'm on the right side of this. The people that want to pay the players, they have some vague notions of fairness. And then when they start to lay out how it would actually happen or why it should happen, their argument quickly falls apart. And if you want to get in the cage with me about that, go right ahead. All right, let's end on this today reaches for laptop where this story is stored. Hey, it's New Year's Day. Did you expect a podcast today? Just zip it, all right? Uh, this story is from National Review, Catherine Timpf, and it is the most absurd PC moments of the decade. <laughs> and they are in no particular order, so let me rip through them. A Clemson University training course taught its attendees that it's offensive to expect people to be on time because time may be considered fluid in other cultures. The phrase trigger warning was deemed a trigger, a piece in everyday feminism said it could be re-traumatizing for folks who have suffered. (laughs) A professor at Brooklyn College says he was forced to change his syllabus after he was accused of sexual harassment for stating that effort was 10% of the grade. A campus survey included a trigger warning to college kids that it may contain anatomical names of body parts. Penis. Vagina. Vulva. University researchers demanded that we accept people who, quote, identify as real vampires 
A Seattle area councilman was concerned about the city hosing poop and piss off its sidewalks because it might be deemed racially insensitive. They thought hosing it down could be a microaggression. A bathing suit ad was criticized for being sexist because it depicted a woman in a bathing suit. Some feminists thought that pussy hats were racist and transphobic because not all women have vaginas and not all vaginas are pink. A professor claimed that small chairs in preschools are sexist and disempowering and problematic. Never mind the fact that, well, preschoolers are little tiny people. College students decided against bringing a camel to school for hump day due to concerns about racism. That from the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. They said it might offend Middle Eastern students. A school in Seattle reportedly insisted that Easter eggs be called spring spheres. A group of Berkeley students insisted they could not take their in-class exam due to their lack of privilege. The phrase long time no see was reportedly declared to be derogatory towards Asians. (laughs) A college newspaper changed its name from the bullet because its editors were concerned the name was too dangerous. This was at the University of Mary Washington. Lecturers were warned that capital letters might scare students and they should avoid using them. This was uh, journalism lecturers at Leeds Trinity University. They were told, avoid using all caps when communicating with students. Hey, why are you yelling at me? I'm not. I'm just using all caps. A campus-wide email at Pitzer College told white students to stop wearing hooped earrings because doing so was cultural appropriation. A campus Christian club was found guilty of discrimination for requiring its leaders... To be Christians. Oxford University law students were told that they didn't have that they didn't have to learn about rape or violence law if they found it too triggering. It's a law school that says now you don't have to learn about that law. It might trigger you too much. The word to T O O was declared sexist. Huffington Post said the adverb has deprived most women of self-satisfaction and appreciation. A liberal author demanded that, quote, normal people, unquote, avoid wearing any kind of red hat because all red hats can be too scary in the wake of Donald Trump's Make America Great Again hat. Well, Nats fans, I guess we're screwed. Reds fans, I guess we're screwed. Skinny eyebrows were declared cultural appropriation. Evergreen State University told professors to take students' protest feelings, student protesters' feelings, into account when grading them. And then finally, a lot of college kids were upset at the vagina monologues. Several schools canceled or adapted the performances of the vagina monologues over concerns about excluding women without them. Also, one school, Southwestern University in Texas, canceled theirs for one other reason. A white lady wrote it. (laughs) I laugh, because otherwise I'd cry. Or I'd say, how soon can I build a spaceship to get off this fucking planet? Let's hope the new decade is a whole lot better. 
Thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Appreciate everybody, as always, checking in to download. Regular schedule Thursday and Friday. Football Five Ways Friday coming up for subscribers. Jump on in. It's only five bucks a month. It's cheap. It's worth it. I promise I'll make your Fridays rock coming out of the gates at 4 a.m. And we'll get you set for the NFL playoffs, which begin this weekend. Have a great New Year's Day. Get those Christmas lights down. And we will see you next time. Okay, my degenerate friends, let's talk about the wonderful dark art of gambling. Yes, dancing with the point spread. Going two fists in all the way up to your elbows, wearing farm animal gloves. All right, that was weird. My point is, every game you watch is a little bit more spicy with something on it, you know? That's why you should get dialed in today at mybookie.ag. I've got an account, and you know what? I throw 10, 15, 20 bucks on stuff all the time. That's it. You can even bet less. MyBookie.ag is perfectly legal, and having worked with them for over two years, they are a rare exception of credibility in a sea of fly-by-nighters. And the handful of times anybody has had a problem, they take care of it right away. Why? Because I send one email, and they go, oh, we, we don't want to get this. We'll take care of this. Relax, everybody. You got me backing you up. NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, PGA Tour, NHL, Premier League, everything but Bush Kazi from Afghanistan, you can bet on it. Right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand additional dollars to put in play. Terms and restrictions do apply to bonus dollar matches. Read the website for details. Promo code is ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to get that additional matching money. Get some sweet action in 2020. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid.